I think a lot of my funniest content and the content I actually enjoy making the most is like content that is reflective of certain pains. Understanding that this green screen behind me is a tool, not a weapon. I don't think you know how important this is, is relatability. It has to be freaking relatable. The whole philosophy has been, you have to keep going forward, you have to innovate or else you're going to become irrelevant. So- hey, welcome to the Behind the Frames podcast. This is a podcast about entrepreneurship, creativity, and content. And today we're joined by James Leonidas. James is a video creator on TikTok and Instagram, creating comic content around corporate recruiting, university, and generic humor. And in this conversation with James, we talked about how James got started with blogging from an entrepreneurship club event that he ran and how that turned into the beginning of his career on TikTok. We talked about the importance of relatability when it comes to creating short-form content on TikToks. And we also talked about the importance and how to build a community with its audience. Welcome to my conversation with James. To, to get started, I wanted to ask you this one question. Who is Daniel Dart? Daniel Dart, man, that's a throwback. When I was in college, I just graduated. I ran the entrepreneurship club and he was like a guest speaker we had. And he's just someone with an absolutely wild story. So he was like homeless growing up, grew up in a really bad part of Southern California. And then he turned into like a rock star. Um, so he, he went on like tours. He started a rock band, a punk rock band. And then he went to prison and then he went to MIT and became like a relevant venture capitalist and also inspired by a story that was like, you'd be a great speaker to bring in. So um, he came in to speak with our club and um, everyone was there for like two and a half hours just listening to him. He was like full of wisdom. So that's the that's the short on Daniel Dart. He's um, someone I met and networked with and then brought him in for a speaker. About. I think shortly after that conversation, like you started blogging. Oh, yes. that happened much before Yes, that. I totally left out that part. So this was like towards the tail end of, uh, of my time in college. I was, a, I was a second semester senior when we had them. And right. I was like really going through a, uh, a tough time in like every aspect of my life, but especially professionally. I'd gone through the consulting process, got absolutely destroyed by like the top firms and was just like, you know, for like the year up to this point, I was like set on consulting. But then at that point, I was like, you know, looking for other options. So I was considering VC, I was considering even investment banking, and there was nothing, no, none of it I was actually truly passionate about. And um, I was trying to like find something that interested me. And he told me to just like start writing a fucking blog, find something that you want to learn more about, just start writing about it, reading about it. No one's going to read your blog, but it'll be a good way to just learn and, and grow. So yeah, started it after um, he spoke with our club. And that's something I continued through the uh, the subsequent summer. And I wouldn't say like, you just write the blog for the sake of like blogging or recruiting. It's almost when oh, I read no. your blog, it's it yeah. seems like you're like trying to document your life. It's like really interesting. Uh, well, the most recent one was yeah, but when it started out, and I don't really write it anymore. I'm so much more passionate about this TikTok stuff and the Instagram reels that I am about this. But it started out as what I was fascinated by was freaking dating apps, and not like when you, th- when you hear dating app blog, you think like, okay, this guy writes a blog about how to be successful in dating apps. No, I was fascinated by. Are you familiar with the concept of network effects? It's like, um, you know, a competitive advantage that exists in virtue of a company already having um, a lot of existing customers and how that attracts more. So that's really prevalent on dating apps, right? So Tinder, Bumble, Hinge, they all like, in terms of their actual features, they're not that great. Um, They're really basic. They're not that great at matchmaking, but we always flock to them because 
they're the market incumbents and they're huge. So I really was fascinated by that dynamic within dating apps. And then I went in deeper and started looking at more niche ones coming into market who were, in my opinion, way better, like Marriage Pact, for example, you may have that at, at your school, but um, still aren't on the same level of these like giants, like the, the match giants, just because they have so much power and virtue of already having, you know, the vast majority of the market. I assume you talked about marketplaces too, which is very synonymous yes, for Yes, yeah. So that was like the next thing. Yeah. It went from dating apps to marketplaces. I see, I see. And, um, and I think it was sort of like around earlier this summer, you're like, okay, like I think I'm pretty much done with the blog stuff. I'm going to start making TikToks. Like if you, if you search, if you, if you go on TikTok and search your name, you can find four accounts. Like naming for first <laughs> one, it's about like yeah. um, professional. Second one is about poker. The uh, other one is uh, about metaphysics and, the, yeah. and rift. <laughs> yeah. And the and the last account it was um it was about more more like generic, more like lifestyle, going to restaurants and experiences, life experiences and stuff like that. And it was really yeah. like the the first two that took off that you like just p- keep pumping your videos. And yeah. the craziest part is it wasn't the original four that started. You started with yeah. like philosophy shorts. It started mm-hmm. with like AI generated content and sketch comedy. So yeah. maybe you can start there. Like, yeah, let, like, let's go really quick back to the blog. So there was a natural progression to the TikTok. So dating apps are a sort of marketplace, like, um, you know, it's a marketplace of love, uh, for love and whatnot. So that sort of took me then to like digital marketplaces, which are sort of asymmetrical. Um, both parties in, you know, an eBay auction or on Amazon have different roles. One's a buyer and one's a seller. So I started writing about that. And then that sort of, then I got interested in TikTok, which is also an asymmetrical market. You have content creators and content consumers. So it was sort of in that research phase that I was like, had just a totally random idea. Like, oh, I want to, I want to try to go viral on TikTok. I feel like I could do it with this level of knowledge I now have for these market dynamics that I was like seeing in TikTok. So I like read two books on virality and just was like, okay, I have this like, build out this strategy in my head. And yeah, I started. So I like uh, one of the lessons that everyone was so big on was like uh, create content content within a niche. So the niches I chose were sketch comedy. Yeah, you said the the philosophy, uh, the philosophy sure. accounts where you have philosophy shorts. And then like there was this other third account where I literally just re-uploaded clips from movies and then like put an AI gener- generated voiceover. And the first two, philosophy shorts and the AI generated content one, I just like didn't like. So I basically stopped doing that. And I kept doing the comedy sketch ones because I liked them. And then one poker one just blew up. Uh, well, not blew up. It got like 20,000 views. But I was like, wow, 20,000 views. Um, I've been getting 200 views. So I started doing more of those and I went from 20,000 to 50,000 to 100,000 to, well, I mean, I got one with 400,000. I was like, wow, this is crazy. So I did that for like a month and, you know, I start making money through it. I'm starting getting an actual, I'm starting to get an actual following. Um, but I was really, you know, my whole philosophy has been, you have to keep going forward. You have to innovate or else you're going to become irrelevant. So um, then I was like, how do I expand on this? And I tried to do it within the context of that, flo- uh, that, that poker account. But anything that wasn't poker content did not do well. So I created a whole separate account for corporate humor. And that's James Leonidas 2. James Leonidas 1 is the poker content. And James Leonidas 2 was corporate 
which then went to college, which is now more just a general humor account. I can post anything there, and if it's funny, it'll do well, which is huge. Like, if I think about it, it's pretty deliberate, right? Like, I think a lot of people might have made mistakes where, like, they use the same account for everything, and you deliberately, like, made accounts for every single thing out there, or, like, every yeah, single type actually, of Yeah, actually, that was my original approach. I don't think it's the right approach anymore. So I was like, okay, first account is poker, second account is corporate college, and then I made a third account for general humor, but then I was like, you know, I can't man two managing two accounts are impossible. <laughs> I can't manage a third account. So I'm now trying to, and I'm actually, you know, I'm sort of succeeding in turning that mm. from just a niche comedy account to a general comedy account, which obviously has the biggest reach. So I actually, right. I disagree now with my original approach, which is create multiple accounts for different niches. I think that's good for getting, breaking through the noise. But once you've broken through the noise, you can expand within the same account. I think different type of contents or different type of accounts are good for like validating the proof of concept. But once you kind of accumulate an audience, I think you can just work towards like bridging the different types of contents and expand yeah. to a wider audience. Yeah, and it's a lot uh, when you have an audience, a consistent audience. It's a lot easier to test certain variations or experiments. So if I'm okay. if I don't have an audience and I'm posting videos. Even if it's a good video, uh, it's probably just not going to get any views. It takes some sort of luck to break out of that first initial 200 view jail um, to get people actually watching it. Um, so you don't, it's hard to tell, like, was this just a bad piece of content or am I just getting screwed by the algorithm? Now that I have a consistent viewership, um, if I post something and it doesn't say even, you know, if it doesn't reach 100,000 views now, I, I'm like, okay, that was shit. And I yeah. learned from it. And you have to learn from it. Like a mistake that people, so many ma people make on TikTok is like, this thing works, so I'm just going to do it a million times over and over again. And that's good, like milk it, but you're not actually learning anything through that and you're not actually getting better. And one day, um, people are going to get bored of that. And it's like, that's all you know how to do. And when you, when you talk about like testing different type of content, like do you go about it very like scientifically or do you more go about like more on the go? Like how, how do you um, kind of describe that? Yeah, my, uh, my creative process is anything but methodological that's the right word i know I, I don't follow like a very scientific approach but you don't have to i feel like there is like a narrative where like everyone has to like build a system and like do xyz in certain ways when, right when it comes right. to creative pursuits exactly like this, you, exactly then you have to yeah it's almost the concept of creativity and like you know scientific approach they're almost competing in a, in a sense and i think it's okay to like just go out there, do anything and learn from it instead of like following one approach. It just seems, it seems not creative, right? You know, this approach worked for someone else. These are the five steps you need to take to make good content and get views. It's like, that isn't creative, right? I think the creative part is just doing a million different things and learning from that and seeing what works. So that has sort of been my approach. If there is any sort of methodology I do follow, it's if I'm doing, if I'm like on a like heater, like I've uploaded three college posts in a row that are all getting over a million views, I, I will you know, double down on that and do two more college videos. But once those taper off, that's when I'm like, okay, the wave has passed. Now it's time to um, experiment with other stuff. And then my views will go down as I experiment with different types of content. It's a lot easier to miss when you're not doing it within a specific niche. And then something will hit. And then I'll double down again, do that three or four times in a row. It'll taper off. And then you, it's sort of like that. I see. And I feel like you, I think the way you describe it as waves is like a pretty good description of like how oh, yeah. people should view content because it does come and go and like a lot of people feel very very insecure when like the waves go down and be like yeah. oh what the fuck yeah. like what should i do should i keep like doubling down until like i reach back 
like old number again, but you're like, okay, that's yeah. fine. It's time to experiment. If the next wave comes, then I'll do the same thing. I'll do it better. Yeah. No. I um my whole my my whole philosophy. And I've said this before, um, is like, fuck the noise, good and bad. It's so volatile. So like when it's going good, it's growing great. It's easy to like, this is it now I've made it. Um, it's going to be like this forever. It, it's, it's hilarious how much engagement actually affects your mental state. I'm really trying to not let it do that. So, um, just stay balanced. Like when it's going well, come back down to reality when it's going bad you know, chill out, don't overthink it. And I truly believe that if you love making the videos, if you love the content, if you love the creative process, if you love that, if you're as passionate about it as I've become in these last few months, none of the other shit matters anyways. It will come. If you're like, truly obsessed and this applies to anything not just content creation but like i'm absolutely obsessed with making these videos right now and i've never felt that way um in my life towards anything else like wow this is technically work i'm making money from it millions of people are watching them but i fucking love doing it it's like everything else in my life up to this point has been pain endured in pursuit of some end right it's like i'm gonna grind in high school to get into a good college i'm gonna grind in college to get a good job and it's like wow, I freaking hate studying for econ exams. I hate all of this. I'm just enduring this pain for some end. But like with this, it's the first time in my life where it's like, shit, I love this. And that feeling alone gives me faith that fuck everything else. I know I, I have so much trust in that feeling and where it'll take me. I'm not worried about anything else. It's kind of, it kind of gives me like me looking from like a third person point of view. Like it, it almost feels like you were just truly listening to how you feel and what you believe and just like, yeah fuck everything else it's like exactly. I'm, I'm gonna yeah. ignore everything you're gonna do that and it i think the most i, I think one of the one of the things that i couldn't figure that out which is like you study philosophy and economics uh, yeah well I, I graduated but yeah i was a double major in economics and philosophy yeah so like if i think about like economics and philosophy i i <laughs> don't really think about creativity or like making videos so like I'm yeah here's if there was a route to you like yeah that always when i tell people that it always seems like a bizarre combo so i will say one thing up front i, I think there are a lot more and this doesn't exactly answer your question but i think they're a lot more related than people think so like economics is very quantitative high level philosophy is very qualitative thinking and like low level really digging deep into things so together they balance each other out and i think that was um, just good for like um in formulating how i think about things but um in terms of creativity yeah econ takes none um <laughs> in fact nothing i studied in college would suggest that james would be good at making videos in fact like yeah i mean like i think it's nobody expected me to like do well on tiktok especially myself like i'm not like in the arts i have no experience acting i have no experience video editing um, I suck still at all those things, sucked even more when I started, but just like by loving it, I've gotten better. But the one thing I will say about philosophy, if, if there is one that takes creativity or one that would lend itself to being good at making um, sketch comedy videos, it's philosophy. And I'll give myself credit for this. I've become a terrific writer through my, my studying of philosophy. So you write a shit ton of papers. I've gotten very good at that. Do you, do you think if there's any kind of synergy between economics and philosophy? They're sort of, yeah, they're sort of like polar op opposites that complement each other. I've gotten really good at math and econ, and then philosophy is like giving me that introspective, the thinker type of viewpoint. And together, you know, I can look at everything with those two drastically different lenses, and it helps. And it's like in economics, I remember like from a lot of your skates, like... <laughs> I remember distinctly there was like a video about like business majors and like econ majors. Mm, so like okay. I kind of have seen both sides, which is like 
on one hand, you can true. be talking about like yeah, it, it can be talking about like the um, the blue ocean strategy and be like all the fluffs, all like the strategy buzzwords, and then uh, on the econ, you just like optimize that shit, optimize that shit, find yeah. the FOC. I have so many thoughts. So that on was, this. Uh, um, okay, first off, so... I, I, I've seen both sides too. I've taken a lot of business electives. I've taken accounting. I've taken business management. I've taken behavioral economics, which was a business course, uh, and a couple others. Yeah, I, I think what econ really is, or at least at the school I went to, it's like for students who still want to go into the corporate world, but like couldn't get into the business school or didn't know to apply to the business school or whatever. And econ as a discipline that you study in college is super fucking theoretical. It's actually, frankly, it's almost useless. Um, you're never going to use the skills you learn in uh, as an econ major in management consulting or investment banking. Unless if you if you become a an economic consultant, that's different. I think what I don't like about the comparison always between econ and business, it's like, which is harder? Which is harder? Business or econ? It's like, okay, <laughs> well, econ is definitely harder. But like, who the fuck gives a shit? Like, what does that even mean? Does that mean it's better to be an econ major? Does that, does that mean it's worse to be a business major? Like, uh, I don't, it's just the, the conversation doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. And when in my videos, I it's it's satire. I'm not trying to throw shade at business majors. I, w- I went to Penn and I was in the college and I applied and failed to transfer to Wharton. So I wanted to be in the business school. I think the biggest learning curve for me was just um, taking econometrics and they expect you to know how to use R on day one and just give you this like unlisted I'm so glad that is something yeah. sorry one yeah one thing about that I had no idea that was like a like a universal experience for econ majors um like there were so many people commenting like uh it, what do they say it's a some type of experience it's a canon canon experience like I, I didn't know it was that <laughs> yeah everyone says canon that canon event or something but yeah I guess like you go into an econometrics course it's like yeah you have to all these problem sets either involve R or MATLAB it's like how the fuck do I do this now I have to go on YouTube and like learn this and learn it like pretty awfully too like I, I don't know how to code an r now but yeah let's go back to the um, the corporate humor um yeah. the tiktok account that you started so i, I assume now has evolved to something more broader because you expand it to different student experiences university videos or you just like human in general right so but i'm curious how you started you know like you started a poker content you see some success in some of the videos and you started another account for corporate humor so mm-hmm. why corporate humor it was a strategic decision to use that as my second niche I, I could probably think of three reasons off the top of my head i think a lot of my funniest content and the content i actually enjoy making the most is like content that is reflective of certain pains um that i've endured throughout my life um, so like a lot of my poker content, and this is not apparently obvious at all, but was like me being pissed off at the poker table or taking a big loss or that type of like degeneracy that exists within poker and those negative emotions that, um, that coincide with those experiences. Um, and man, if there was anything that has ever happened to me that has caused me more trauma than like, uh, my professional recruiting failures, um. I mean, sorry, the, the, my professional recruiting fail, failures were some of the most painful like experiences in my life. So I thought, ooh, that could be a good topic. That's number one. Number two, um, and this is good advice for anyone you know trying to make content on TikTok, look to where you have a competitive edge. So there's only so many people that can make content about corporate recruiting. They have to have gone through that process. So that already eliminates a huge percentage of the competition. And it's a great, and it's so niche. The fact that it is so niche, like I started only making consulting, recruiting content on that account. The fact that it is so niche is the perfect launching pad because you build sort of a nuclear audience who really can't, doesn't have many options for this type of content um, elsewhere. Not many people are making that type of content and they come back because like, you know, it's so relevant to them. And then you sort of just expand at the periphery, right? So that's what I did. Went from 
consulting to, yeah, really, it wasn't even corporate at the beginning. It was just consulting humor, consulting, recruiting humor to consulting humor slash corporate humor to college. You know, you just sort of expand, expand. Um, when you start with that nuclear niche, it's good. And then maybe there was a third one that I can't quite remember now. But I think when, if you, if, if the viewers or you taking the time to like go do James content in about his like, corporate humor TikTok videos, like, like you started out, like those videos are good. Those videos <laughs> are so fine. Like, Appreciate you that. use a lot of like you use a lot of different techniques. Um, whether if it's like green screen, you have like you created multiple <laughs> versions of yourself to add mm-hmm. as different like roles in in those TikToks, which add a lot of colors to it because it feels oh, yeah. more it feels more customized. Um, it feels like it's part of like a bigger story you're trying to tell rather than just like you talk you one person talking in front of the camera. What was the biggest learning curve at the very beginning? I think uh, I grew very, very quick on both poker and the corporate account. The content, I would say, when I first started posting on the corporate account was already pretty good because I'd been doing it for a month on poker. Um, But yeah, so I I think for me, it's just been learning about like why my content does well and why others don't. For example, like a video would do well at the beginning and I just wouldn't know why and I wouldn't really know what the audience liked about it and how to sort of replicate those tactics or, um, you know, what, what, you know, one video to the next. And, you know, some of the things I have learned throughout that are like one, <laughs> this is the, and everyone knows this, but like, I don't think you know how important this is, is relatability. It has to be freaking relatable. And like, that is by far the most important thing. Um, two, something that was a huge learning curve for me was, oh man, the, yeah, this is a good one. Uh, like effort in humor is, does not guarantee, uh, success or a good result. So if I put in like, you know, 30 hours of effort into like, I don't know, just your standard YouTube tutorial video or something that, you know, each hour will make the, will make the video better, even if it's only by a little bit, but it is so freaking easy in comedy and sketch comedy videos to actually put too much effort into it, to over edit it, to, um, and to just like think about it too much to the point where like you already you lost sight of what made what like the original joke the premise what made this funny so like understanding that this green screen behind me is a tool not a weapon um it's something that can you have to use to emphasize the humor but not it, it's not going to make it funny itself it's just a tool so like multiple versions of myself i don't think that in of itself makes it funnier i think it gives me a wider range of content scenario so like now i can do videos that are more involve multiple characters without actually having to get friends to record them with me but just having two of me isn't i don't think that all that funny it's how i use them i'm curious like when you when you make a tiktok um, when you make a skate what comes first whether if it's like the writing the screening the characters like how do you kind of layer and sequence them yeah sort of in line with what i just said i i don't like to um over engineer exactly i don't like to do too much at the beginning and i have and it actually has it's almost inversely correlated to the quality of the content for example here's my process i'll come up with a premise i like i like broad ideas taking a test or bombing a test or group projects things that are just like they're just things they're not they're not even like a premise for a video really um and that sort of gives me some guidance and then i like Literally for 15 minutes, I'll walk around in my room, just pacing, just thinking like, oh, this could work. This could work. Oh, this could come after this. And I'm just thinking the flow through my head. And I'll write down like literally like six 
very basic bullet points. And that's it. And then it's like, all right, time to record. I got the flow. I think I know how I want to do this, who the characters are going to be. And mm. if I do too much in that early stage, I have written, I don't think I've ever written a full, full script, but I've like written out lines before and it always makes it worse. It's, it's once I'm in the studio recording, that's where like the, that's where the natural comedic instincts kicked in. That's where I can improvise a little. If I over engineer or overwrite at the beginning, that it just, it's so easy to lose the humor. Let's say if you over prepare and like write, write down the full script going into the filming session, you'd be more afraid of not reading the exact words rather than like yeah. delivering the emotions and the relatability definitely that but i think there's probably more to it as well it's like yeah that you know that that's probably the biggest thing and the fact that like i'm more focused on what i already you know how i already envisioned this and i'm thinking about like you know the structure i reformulated instead of what i can like be doing right now to change it up yeah it's just like i, I feel like uh so much of it needs to be improvised and on the spot and like, oh, I just had this idea. I think it's funny. I'm going to act it out now. It's just that that impromptu, spontaneous, whether it be like an idea for a line or like way a character says something, when it happens in the moment, it's just so much better. I see, I see, I see. And um, I want to go back to like the relatability theme that you were talking about. Like, yeah. When, when, you, when you're trying to be more relatable, obviously... Like the first thing, it's really to reflect on your personal experience, see yes. what really hurts the most, what really makes you the happiest the most. Do you ever include sort of like asking, do you involve other people in the process? Like, do you go around it's and be like, question. what do you think about this idea? Like, do you think this is relatable? It's a great question. Let me, I'll answer that in a second. Let me add one thing about the re relatability aspect. Relatability isn't, it, it needs to be a certain type of relatability. It, it can't be too overdone, right? It has to be the type of thing that it's like, people didn't even know this happens to everyone. It's like that type of niche thing. It's like, oh, I have those, I have those thoughts too. Um, that's the best type of relatability. Um, the, the stuff that is universal, universal, but like, you don't really know everyone has the same experience. So that's what I'm always trying to think of. Like, what are those types of things that have happened to me, but like aren't completely overdone? Um, and then to answer your question, yes, I've recently started involving people, just my two best friends, um, or two of, two of my best friends, my friend Mark and my friend Sam. What I will do now is like, I'll come up with an idea, premise, like I said before, and write out some like sub ideas under them. Um, those are like the relatable things. And I'll send them to them and I'll be like, like dislike or okay with like their text reactions and that tells me which of them are just me or which of them are actually relatable if they both say yes this has happened to me that tells me that this is a relatable thing just texting those two people has like drastically improved some of my content recently i see i see because when i think about like relatability i think if you just reflect on your personal experience there's a lot that could just come down to like, is it just me? <laughs> or like, mm -hmm. do you yeah. think my thought is representative? And when you do actually exactly. go out and like talk to people, then you can get a better ideas or like what's really happening. Um, but then you just have to be cautious, like, like their opinions that that could improve the chances of being more representative, but it shouldn't like override like the ideas or like, like, the decisions yeah. that you're making with content but it's yeah. like good to have that a different thoughts that go yeah into and the I, I think like it, it is difficult though because like again based on what i said i'm trying to think of relatable things that people don't know are relatable so it's like how do i correctly identify those and i think yeah calling in other people helps yeah it's not good enough to just be like 
Hmm. Being nervous before a test is really funny. Being nervous before an interview is really funny. I'm going to make a video of me just being nervous, but like that's it's not really original. <laughs> it's not that creative. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, what could make that creative is, is if you like really think to yourself, what is being nervous for a test? Like what thoughts do you actually have? What emotions do you have? What are your hands doing? It's like, those are the type mm. of things that people don't make jokes about a lot. It's going one step deeper into it and, you know, bringing out that part. Or like, even like the conversations with like your classmates too, right? It's like, I've been prepared. I just started studying last night and then come up with like 95 or something. It's like, it's like yeah, those that's, ones that's a good that example. you're showing your videos. Yeah. I think some of my most popular ones are ones that are like just me thinking where it's like me with a facial expression and then there's thoughts going on in my head, which is just me overlaying like a voice recording. And uh, when you when you talk about like you're trying to find niches that haven't been really tapped to, uh, that hasn't become super normal yet that you wanted mm-hmm. to explore, the, the the first thing that come up to my head was just like the only way to do this is really to figure out what's out there by consuming a shit ton of content. Are you are you someone who consume a lot of content outside of your channel? I do, but is it is I don't do it to make better videos to be honest. And this is could be something that I'm just wrong about, but I like you know if I'm starting a a business. I'm going to be scientific about it. I'm going to do research on the market. I'm going to understand who my competitors are, what they're doing. When it comes to content, I don't feel the need to do that. I feel like, again, it comes back to that, the word creativity, but like, I feel like that's something that's found within and looking too much at other people sort of inhibits that originality of yourself. The one thing I I do pay attention to though is editing tricks because I suck at editing. Um, I've gotten better, but I still suck. Like I have no experience in it. So man, there's one guy who's so good. When I found his account, I was so impressed with how good he, he is at making videos. He's in my DMs. We were friends now, which is pretty cool. Uh, Jaden Williams. He has like a couple million on TikTok. He is... Um, absolutely the best editor i've seen on the platform so i'm like looking at i look at his videos to see like you know how he does things have you ever thought of expanding the team or your channel to more than like a one person team yeah i would love to man i honestly (laughs) i had hopes that i would be well on my way towards that at this point but um right now i'm only making money through creativity beta which pays ridiculously well by the way uh just through like views but and i've really held off on you know, sponsorships up to this point, I get like offers, but they're from like not any brands I know. And I don't want to promote something that I don't like or haven't used or whatever. Hopefully in the near future, I'll start making more money through different streams. And then I can really reinvest in the videos and yeah, get a team, get a better studio. That's the idea. That's cool. That's cool. And um, how about expanding on a different context? Like how are your experiences from like different platforms? I know you started with a TikTok um, and you started in in Instagram. You've been, been putting a lot of effort on Instagram lately as well. How have your experiences been on different platforms? So I only do TikTok and Instagram. Um, TikTok is really like the one I, if I were to say like, my, do I make TikToks or do I make Instagram reels? I make TikToks. Um, like that's where I've started. And the Instagram account is really just me reposting the videos onto Instagram. I think when it comes to like the quality of content that exists on the two platforms, um, TikTok is miles better. I I think that they have gotten so much better than the competition at um, filtering out crap and bringing out relevant, good quality content. In terms of where my my content does better right now, it's TikTok, but um, that's also because I started the Instagram thing late. So in the long term, we'll see which does better. But right now, um, talking specifically about the second account, the corporate college account, I have 100K on TikTok and like 
36k on Instagram. But it's amazing. Followers don't mean shit, by the way. I I, I meant to say this at some point. Followers do not mean shit on these platforms. Do, do, do you like think about that ever? Like, do you ever find a TikTok account with like literally two million followers that is now getting like five thousand views? It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Sometimes they're they're faceless content. Sometimes you know who the creator is behind the content. But I see these accounts that like have literally hundreds of thousands, some millions of followers um, that blew up or that got all those followers in the very early, or we're certainly early phases of short form, I think, but they mm -hmm. got them like in literally mm -hmm. 2019, 2020. Um, and they sort of haven't evolved from that type of content. Yeah, followers don't mean a lot on TikTok. It's not like they will, if they evaluate each of your videos pretty much separately based on the initial sample of viewership. You know, now they'll show every one of my videos to like a thousand, two thousand people. If those first a thousand, two thousand people hated it, watched only two seconds of it, didn't like it, whatever, I won't get any more. It's, it's very meritocratic. And that's, you know, that's both very cool. It's easy to blow up quick, but it's also, I would think, sucks for some of these people who like built these massive followings that don't help them get views because TikTok does not show their followers, their videos. I also like to think about like um, the create the creator funnel, which means like at the very top, which is like people who kind of know you or kind of like just follow you on TikTok, kind of recognize mm -hmm. your face. And then if you go one layer lower, it would be like people who know, okay, this is like James who went to like yeah, UPAM yeah, yeah. or Econ. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. All the way down, they would be people who uh, might be willing to pay for some of your products that you sell or like who visit your blog and read through every single article. Yeah, so yeah. I think what matters is really like the, the, the latter half of the funnel, not like the top half. But you kind Absolutely. of need the awareness to like be able to comfort that. So yeah, and that, that yeah, and that latter half, those are the people who like those are the ones who come back and like actually care about like you and will still come to your page. Like that, yeah, you're right. Those are the more important ones. Any like I, I'm grateful for every freaking person that has ever watched one of my videos. I think it's the coolest thing that um, I actually like create stuff that people like to consume. That's sick. I wrote fucking papers for years in college that I'm not even sure if my professor read them fully. So, uh, <laughs> but man, I appreciate that so much, um, and I've like tried my absolute hardest to recognize those people the people who were like always comment um especially like in the early days when they were younger who would always like comment engage um i would follow them all back um so pretty much everyone i follow on both these accounts are just like people who fall who have followed me and have comments on my stuff and then i post on my tiktok friends only posts like post just for these 150 people these loyal people um, and it's just sort of like this, it's me talking to them, not in character or anything. And I think that sort of that through that, I try to express like, I know who you are. I really appreciate you. Here's a little bit more of who I am. I'm always trying to be at anyone like and respond to as many comments as possible. On some videos, I get thousands of comments. Some I get hundreds. I think some a mistake that so many people make when they're starting out on TikTok is like not giving attention to those like two or three comments that you're getting, right? It's like always, always, always respond to comments, like comments. Um, you know, that's how you like sort of start to build an early following. And I still try to do it now, even though it doesn't matter anymore, even though like responding to comments won't really, it, it won't have an effect on anything anyways, but uh, I, I still do it to like try to show my appreciation. Mm -hmm. And I think even people who are looking, scrolling through the comments will also recognize that, right? Like, oh yeah, I think it's really easy oh, yeah. to tell if a creator is like, oh, yeah. is he trying to engage or does he give, not give a shit? Like yeah. if he, oh, yeah. if you scroll like, like he's trying to like likes like 30 comments out of like 500 comments i think that yeah. means he is still trying to respond and oh, be yeah. active but like you can see if there are 300 comments and he didn't give a shit 
like no reaction from the creator at all like that's like 100 percent. pretty dude and pretty i, I swear to god I, I didn't start <laughs> doing this for that purpose i've realized what you just said by going through other pages now um when i like go in the comments and it's like when i see like the creator liking everything yeah i have the same reaction um but that's something that wasn't very apparent to me uh back when i first started like really trying to engage back with yours has there like a memorable or like a favorite comment you got from someone that made you feel special in any yeah way? there is one very well there's one iconic comment <laughs> uh it's from the poker account it was one of my very very early poker videos this must have been my fifth poker video um and it was about like the types of janky dealer chips you use when you don't have like an actual dealer chip if you ever play a home game it's like anything could be the dealer chip it could be a fucking box of goldfish or like a pumpkin or a dog whatever so i made these two videos of like the types of dealer chips you use at home games and it's like and one guy commented my dealer chip is uh my 2010 gmc arcadia and it was i thought that was just really funny just like the image of that um so that became an iconic comment and that guy user 637 is like he's one of the user guys has been like a loyal follower since the very very early days he i'm friends with him on the poker account and the the, the corporate account i didn't do the Damn. joke justice it, it was a funnier comment than i just described it but that that's the icon- iconic comment the uh 2010 gmc arcadia joke you should do like a like an online poker tournament like a live stream would be yeah, kind of funny. To, i've been meaning to live stream um that's a really apparently it's a great way to get followers quick and money quick um I just don't know what the fuck to live stream. <laughs> no, no, just live stream yourself playing poker. Yeah, well, I'm not really active on the poker account that much, man. Uh, right. It pays right, really right. well. Like, my, my RPM is so much better on poker, but just, like, the exposure I'm now getting on the second account, it's just, like, hard to justify spending too much time in the poker when I can consistently get 500,000 or more views on, on the second account. Right, uh, right. And that, that ooh, that's something I've actually, like, I'm starting to get good at recognizing whether a video will do well or not before I upload it. Um, in the past, it's been like, okay, I'm about to upload it. Will it do well or not? It was just so like unknown. But like part of the learning curve is like watching a video after you've um, after you created and just like sort of knowing. Um, you get better at that. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like you kind of. It's like a. It's like a muscle that you're, mm-hmm. you're training and to learn about like what kind of videos or like what parts of the videos people love like people fuck with it you know absolutely and i could like write down on a long piece of paper everything i've learned about this 100 bullet points like do this do this don't do this don't do this and if i gave it to you it wouldn't be very useful to you you have to it's sort it's a muscle it's an instinct it's something that you have to d- develop by doing mm-hmm. so let's say let's say if you think about like maybe the channel in like 6 to 12 months ahead like i think there are many directions that you can take it to uh, I'm curious if there are anything that you look forward to or keeps you up at night about the channel, about the future of the channel. I I go back and forth every freaking day on like where this, what direction I could take this. Honestly, I have less of a clue now than I did probably like a month ago. Uh, <laughs> you know, do I stay native to TikTok or do I try to expand to different types of video content on different platforms? Do I think I'm funny enough to maybe venture into stand up or in long in the long, long term, could I, you know, make my own sketch comedy show like a key and peel? Like I, I it's just it's nice to have a dream like that and then like start aligning your tasks and you what you're doing now towards that end. But I don't know what the what the what that end should be yet. Originally yeah. my plan was I mean, I'm an entrepreneur. Originally the plan was like, okay, you know, get big on TikTok and then leverage the audience to, you know, make a really good product that has value and sell through the audience. And that's something I'll still do, but I'm not sure if that's the ultimate end anymore. I may want to, you know, take, you know, a bigger step into 
um, the entertainment uh, creative front of, the, of this. Yeah, I think I think you pretty much listed all the all the potential avenues that <laughs> oh, you can yeah. take, right? I do think about <laughs> it. I'm just not sure about it. Yeah, I see, I see, I see. Whether if it's like the stand up scenes or like the Hollywood scenes or like starting a product or the service that you can leverage your audience to sell to. Or just keep pushing and make it yeah. make this like a media company, like a morning brew or something. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think just the way I feel about it right now, man. I forget any success of I've had up to this point. I'm like so sure this will turn into something really, really big, just based on the way I feel about what I'm doing right now. Because I've never in my life been so in love with like something that is actually has some value. I, I, I hopefully I figure you know get a better sense of direction along the way. But as long as I keep this feeling and like still want to be doing this every free moment of the day i have then I, i'm sure I'll, I'll get there absolutely what would you say are this is a completely different question but i'm curious just on your day-to-day what are some routines that you do that keep you more motivated or more <laughs> creative i'm a big routine guy i love i think uh i've read atomic habits twice <laughs> do you know what that book is that's yeah like yeah, a, yeah by james really clear good. Yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Um, I read that like during my absolute lowest last year, and it helped me. Uh, yeah, I mean, it depends. I, I think, yeah, it depends on like what phase of my life we're talking about. But I think it's always good to have a routine. Like now, it's you know, wake up early, go to work, come home, gym, TikTok, eat, bed. Um, and I do that. Like my, I literally just work all the time now. But again, TikTok like, isn't work for me. I'd rather be doing TikTok than watching a movie or a YouTube video. So that doesn't even feel like work. Last year, when I was really going through it probably like basically like a year ago from today, I was really down in the dumps and I was like trying to do anything to like pick myself up. I read like probably like 20 less pounds than I do now. I hadn't gone to the gym in like a year and a half. Um, that's when I routine was most important for me. You ever heard of Wim Hof, the Wim Hof method? No, what is it? Um, there's this Nordic guy, Wim Hof. He's like very famous for doing, um, yeah, I won't go too deep in it to, it, to it, but like one thing I did a lot last year was cold therapy. Every day I'll do like ice baths. I did ice baths every day for like 40 days. Then I would meditate. And then I would um, do these like breathing exercises. Um, And this is all a part of that Wim Hof method. Um, And then I'll go to the gym. And that sort of helped me get my mind in the right space. Uh, I love that when you mentioned about like when TikTok doesn't feel like work to you and you rather work on your TikTok than watching a movie. I think that speaks a lot about your character too, right? because I think you, at, at, at some point, like TikTok has become ingrated in part of your life. Absolutely. And because of that, like, because of that, like, you're able to do it so well. You're able to devote so much time and effort and energy and become so good at it. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Yeah. And I wanted to distinguish that type of hustle and work from like the grind set, which what I was just talking about before may seem to play into. Have you heard of like the grind set mindset, the grind set mindset? Yeah, the, like, like the blue pill, like the blue pill. Takes yeah, on. yeah, it's like, yeah, basically like enduring all this pain in pursuit of something like grow some balls, just fucking do it. Yeah, <laughs> like I think that's like the wrong approach. That's, you know, enduring pain in pursuit of some end that might not come. What, the beauty about what I'm doing with TikTok is like the means is sort of the end for me. I love making the videos. In some way, the grind set mindset, it's like you're going to put in the grind set for the sake of grind set. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I wait. If I if I think what you're saying, if I think, um, I feel like people do it just to say they're doing it. Those people who do all this stuff and then won't shut up about it. 
it's like it's like me low-key i i run half marathons and i tell everyone i run half marathon it's me two seconds ago telling you about all the ice baths i took <laughs> like it's tempting but it's like it's the wrong reason i see i see i see that's cool that's cool honestly james like you come through like a long way like if you're just thinking about like one two years ago where you were and where you are now just like oh, yeah. not 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 from like a cult perspective just from like a mental personal oh, yeah. development perspective so um yeah. that that's been like a long journey like i'm curious if if there are viewers um like you like like you one or two years ago just trying to figure shit out they're they're in a rut like what are what is a message that you would want to let them know i'm not sure i could give one that isn't like completely cliched though but for me two things like what got me out of like the rut i was in a year ago it was just a commitment to improve each day and just taking one day at a time which is insane it's very cliche but like it's so easy to in those moments sort of wallow in your own in your own sorrow and let those emotions overtake everything in your life or you can just like continue to fight and just start fighting and try to fight your way out of it i was doing that and i'd still even as i was trying to get better each day it was like still getting punched in the fucking face every day with uh, was something else that came up it wasn't like some steady path from this low point all the way up to where i am now i'm just very happy with my life uh so that's one and two and this is something i didn't really fully talk about earlier earlier when we were talking about this but uh this summer was like the opportunity for me to like find myself so i'd gone through four years of college i was totally burnt out from that i'm starting work at the end of the summer and i like set aside this summer to try to like find myself do like read as much as i can try to learn try to like that's what i was really hoping to find in that blog like something i'm passionate about originally it was like okay i know i love entrepreneurship so i'm gonna start dig- digging into like startups and business stuff and it was okay I-, I didn't really i didn't enjoy the blog like as much as i thought i would it still felt like a chore writing a blog and then i was so yeah. lucky enough to like find this tiktok thing which is like has helped me find myself it's like been a creative outlet for me it's something i look forward to uh i just love you know what it's done for me and where it's going there's no there's no there's no easy prescription you just have to like find it in you You just have to fight and want to get better and as you are getting better you'll start to feel better about yourself and it's sort of doing things that promote that positive feedback loop instead of promoting the negative feedback loop which is man i suck i feel bad by feeling bad i have negative thoughts it just like quote that um, has always resonated, resonated with me. Something I have on my wall is success is going from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. So, you know, take the punches and just keep rolling. I'd like to ask our guests to leave our audience with a challenge for the end of every episode. Like, I'm curious if you have any ideas top of mind. I would say find something that you are passionate about. Um, that's the most important thing and something that you love. And a good way to do that is by just like learning. So an actually practical task uh, or challenge I would suggest is like read a book or listen to a book every two weeks. You'll be shocked by how much you um, you absorb over like a year of doing that or six months of doing that. Not the best challenge, but I, th- I think that's a that's a good starting point for something. But let's say if I, I have, I've never read before um nor i have like a particular interest on a certain genre like where should i get started find um someone who like a public figure thought leader whatever someone you you admire and chances are if they're like famous they'll have like a reading list wow this guy seems really smart well his genius was probably informed by all the knowledge he has consumed up to that or she has consumed up to that point so awesome this is the end of the podcast and again it's a pleasure to have you james have a have a great one cool man thanks for having me alex it was nice talking with you